0: covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings the podcast. Here is your host Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. thank you so much for uh, being tuned in. It's another week's edition of how the collective bargaining agreement turns as unfortunately and I, I really mean that unfortunately we're in a place right now where that's really all that's going on in in baseball and uh, every week more news very rarely is it good news but we will continue to uh, dissect it on an every week basis before we go any further we'll give you our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast if you want to get in contact with me best way to do so is on twitter at matt Pauley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air and if you do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, that is great. If you don't, we'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to leave a ranking and review as well. But if you just listen to the podcast wherever you listen to it and don't want to do any of that, that's fine. We're just glad that you are tuned in on an every week basis. So very quickly, here's where we're at from the last week. Major League Baseball did officially delay the start of spring training uh, spring training games uh, will not begin until at least March 5th so they push things back a week we're also at a point where we're getting very very close to the start of the regular season potentially being delayed Major League Baseball has given a deadline to the players uh, February 28th seems to be the date that Major League Baseball believes that there has to be a collective bargaining agreement in place to be able to still start the regular season on time. With that, this is a big week. This is a huge week, and we're really going to know whether or not this is going to be a prolonged work stoppage in all likelihood by the time this week comes to an end. There are going to be multiple bargaining sessions this week, and players and owners are going to be directly involved as they flew into New York. And I'm sure on an everyday basis, we're all going to be looking at uh, the tweets and the articles that are written by the various folks that cover this and, and have their inside sources to learn what's going on. But this is a huge week. And I think we're going to know you don't have to have an agreement by the end of the week. But I do think by the end of the week, there needs to be some optimism that there is a path to move forward. Right now, that path does not seem to exist. And they got to find that path and then they can start w- walking down it together and hammering out some details. But that's where they've got to get to. And sometimes it feels like when these two sides get together, uh, there's more steps backward than steps forwards. And that can't happen this week. If that happens this week, in all likelihood, the start of the regular season will be delayed. I want to be wrong. I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life. Um, And I'm not normally a real negative person. Pessimism is not something that I regularly deal with. But I've watched this enough to just have very little optimism about what's going to happen during these bargaining sessions. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I, I have never rooted for me to be wrong more than I am here. I will celebrate my wrongness. Is that a word? My wrong activity. I'm just making up words at this point that have the root word wrong inside of them. My incorrectness. We're just going with whatever we want to call it. I will root for that. I will root hard for that. I'm just. I'm not. I have very, 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 very low expectations about what's going to uh, what's going to happen. Them delaying spring training games. Eh. I. It's a bummer for the fans who plan out spring training vacations every year, depending on what team you're a fan of. Brewers fans head to Arizona, fans of other teams going to uh, to Florida, wherever your team happens to train. That's a bummer. And and I've said this before on this podcast. Probably the number one question I was asked over the last um, couple months up until about two weeks ago was people who were trying to plan out their spring training vacation. That's a big deal. And I told everybody then, I don't think they're going to get spring training off on time. I was right on that one. Uh, nothing special about being right on that one that was that was pretty easy to call and now we just have to wait and see if this is going to be the week let's all hope let's all hope that this this trend of the two sides just not being able to come on any progress on anything when in the same room together let's just hope that this is the week where that's not the case anymore and that the two sides come together uh, with a true spirit of negotiation. That's what we can hope for, a true spirit of negotiation. And if that happens, then maybe they start to find that path towards a collective bargaining agreement. All right, so the podcast uh, very much has kind of turned into an interview podcast. I, w- I was saying this to somebody. I actually found the podcast easier to do when we were right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic with nothing going on. For for whatever reason, it was not as challenging to not just have the exact same show on an every week basis. I don't want to talk about the collective bargaining agreement every week, but here we are. We're talking about it every week. So with that, let's get to uh, this week's uh, featured conversation. We're very happy to uh, welcome this guy uh, back on to the podcast. I'll call him a bigwig. He's a bigwig. At, oh, uh, oh, oh. at 94.5 ESPN produces the morning show, does a lot of other stuff during uh, during at all times. Really, he's uh, Ashton Rotman. He is a very frequent visitor here to uh, the podcast. Hi, Ashton.
1: Hi, Maddie. What's up, buddy?
0: You know, just uh, figuring out how in the world we're supposed to talk about baseball when nothing changes and nothing happens on an every week basis.
1: You know, it's funny is I feel like every day when I you know you follow Jeff Pass and you follow Bob Nightingale for stuff, you follow Evan Drudge for, from The Athletic, you follow all these people and you're like, all right, what am I getting today? What am I getting today? And then it's just a big losing game show sound to every tweet that they send with everything. So I'm with you. I'm waiting for something that I can actually smile about and not like sarcastically.
0: By the way, Ashton's Twitter, if you want to follow him, it's at Ashton underscore Rotman, A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. I've seen some people say it, and I think they're right. I, I'm curious if you think they're right. A lot of people have said this next week is one of the biggest weeks for baseball in the last 20 years, because basically they're going to negotiate starting on Monday. They are going to negotiate on an everyday basis. Owners are flying into New York. Players are flying into New York. It sounds like there's going to be some intense sessions. And realistically, if they don't get close to a deal this week, if there's not a clear pathway to a deal by the time this week ends, that probably means opening day isn't going to happen.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm with anyone that says that. And I think the interesting thing is, and I've been thinking this is, you know, why is it taking so long to get every day to the table? It was very frustrating to see like, Hey, you know, here's the sixth meeting in 78 days or whatever it was, was the number proposed out this week. And I was like, how how has this happened? Like, how, how have we gone two months plus not, not meeting at least 10 times, which infuriated me, but like, I get it. Everyone's got to figure out their side. I, there's just not a lot of trust going on. So I'm hundred percent on board. This week is huge. If they don't get anything. If if by Wednesday, we're not even seeing any like progress on anything. I'm going to be super discouraged.
0: I'm discouraged now. I I really am. And Uh, I I saw, I think uh, Maury Brown's a guy who I really respect. Mm -hmm. He covers the sport of baseball, I think, for Forbes Sports. And he made the comment this past week that if they miss opening day, then at that point, you've already missed opening day. And the two sides are going to try to hurt each other more than anything else. Uh, I don't know how true that is or how much that's going to play out that way. But there seems to be some common sense that goes along with it. The other thing is, I read this past week that The players have agreed to the expanded playoff, but if they miss opening day and don't play a full 162, or more importantly, don't get paid Mm. for a full 162 this year, then their agreement to the expanded playoff comes off the table. The idea there is the expanded playoff brings in so much more money from the owners. Why are the players going to take a prorated salary of 140 games, 130 games 60 games, whatever it might be, and then kind of reward the owners on the backside by giving them the expanded playoff this year. So like, there's some logic that goes along with there, but just kind of the threats of if this doesn't get worked out this week, this could really get bad, really bad, really fast.
1: I'm actually glad you brought up the playoff thing right away. Cause for me, that's the biggest thing that has stuck out so far is the initial, okay, there's, there's, you know, uh, what is it, 10 teams right now is what it's currently at. The owners say, let's do 14 teams. The players come back and say, we'll do 12. We're fine. We don't love it, but we'll do 12. To me, right then and there, it should have been like, okay, great. Yeah. On the table. Good. That's what it should have done. And naturally, that's not what happened. The universal DH thing, like that, just kind of everyone's like, "Yeah, we get it. That's going to happen." Just uh, that was the first thing that came down. I was like, "We're going to do this." If there's a season, and there's the be will be in it. But the playoff thing, to me, that was the number one thing. Of nobody wants to trust anybody. Nobody wants to be on the same side with anything. There, there was literally a negotiation right there, back and forth, back and forth. You're not going to settle on 13 teams. Like there, you countered with one thing. They said, "Well, they'll do this." That should have been the end of it. And it, when it wasn't, I was like, I, that, "That to me was the prime example of." Players not trusting owners. Players not trusting Tony Clark just in general. There are plenty of other reasons that we could bring up. Through. I'm sure we will about why they don't do that. Owners not not trusting the players and the union and just trying to get Rob Manford to be the meat shield because that's what he gets paid to do, honestly. Uh, it was just it was very – that one just kind of made me irked when I saw the playoff stuff
0: this week. So here's what – and it's a great point by you, and here's what kind of frustrates me at times. So what you just – you just gave the dictionary negotiation of negotiation. Owners want 14, mm-hmm. teams want 10, they meet in the middle at 12. That's negotiation, that's compromise. Too often in all of this, what we, it's, I don't even know what the word is. Maybe I'm not smart enough to know what the word is because it's not negotiation. Like a per, the perfect example is when the owners are willing to raise the luxury tax number. But then, mm-hmm. on top of that, they increase the percentage that you have to pay if you do get to the luxury tax. So they're not meeting in the middle. Right. They're doing something, but then they're like they're throwing something on on the other side. It's it's not meet in the middle. It's yeah, we'll give you this, but we're gonna we're gonna make up for it on the other side. And it's a really weird way of doing things.
1: I mean, I I, I don't even think this is the word, but like to me, it's they're playing a game. they they're playing a game of everyone's trying to see now who can one-up each other, who can win. And even if you think about it like a track meet, there, you know, there's different heats. I mean, the first heat, the owners are winning this, the second heat, the players get this, but somebody has got to win that third heat to get the medal. Someone's actually got to win it no matter what. There is no, you know, I always think of anytime I think of negotiation, you already know where I'm going to go with this. I think of the office and I think of, you know, win, win, win. The different scenarios that Michael Scott always talks about more are huge office fans, obviously the two of us. So we're not going to get into it, but it's like somebody has to win or everyone can just agree to, it's essentially, you want to get to the point of agreeing to disagree. Like, fine, it is what it is. It's not what I wanted. It's not what you wanted, but we're we're, we're just agreeing on, let's end this part of this conversation. Nobody wants to do that, especially on the ownership side. But when it comes to money, that's the, it's, hey, sure. But also, we want to still somehow win this. We want to show that we are still better and bigger than you.
0: So sticking with the office analogy, nice. a lose, lose, lose is basically the same as a win, win, win. I would agree with that.
1: Right. Because if there's a win-win-win, somebody still lose, lose, lose.
0: Right. And that that's kind of where we're at. I don't know. And I saw the list of owners that are flying in for this thing. Mm-hmm. It worried me that Dick Montfort of the Colorado Rockies was one that was coming in because I don't know if there is a single owner who has done more to hurt play. I mean, this is the Rockies are the organization that when the pandemic was going on. They basically fired clubhouse attendants and had baseball operations people and ticket sales people and things like that doing laundry in the club like for a major league baseball team. Mm -hmm. Like that's 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 his operation of business, and that scares me.
1: You know what's interesting? I I think you have to have what, 23 owners, I think, have to agree to ratify it. Yeah. Is there gonna be a cluster of eight? Like, can you think of eight owners that we'd have to super worry about? Like that eight teams where it's right. I, yeah. I, the, the fact that you and I can just sit here and like, you know, maybe we can go through the list and like, eh, I could see this person doing this. I could see this team doing this. Like that, that's to me, the, the scary part. Um, and like you mentioned, of course, the Rockets owner, but that's just scary part of being like, you need 23. That doesn't seem like a lot. Like that leaves some leeway, but at the same time you can picture teams teaming up. Of course.
0: Yeah. I just, it, I don't know. And yeah, you know, the players aren't perfect in this either. Like I, I'm, I'm probably pro player, more than pro owner. Uh, But it's the the players are are not perfect in this either. And they also they allowed this amount of time to go without negotiation. There there was nothing stopping them from publicly proclaiming, hey, we've rented out a conference room in this New York office and the doors are open. Rob Manfred, Bruce Meyer, like, come on by. Like, they could have done that at any point, Mm -hmm. but it almost felt like at times the players and. The player, like, they're not making big moves either on on their side in terms of, of negotiation. It just it really feels like each side thinks that their current proposal is good for both sides. And it doesn't feel like either side has a spirit of negotiation. I
1: think part of the reason for that, though, and I'm curious if you agree with me or not, is that the last CBA negotiations went so poorly for the players that they're like, we, we can't lose any part of this. Again, that's me using the win and loss instead of we can't agree on something. It's we can't lose any part of this. They felt so horrible for the way they were mishandled. And again, this goes back to the Tony Clark thing is I don't know how much they trust Tony Clark. I think they're like, well, he he can do stuff. I think that's what the players think is. He, is Tony Clark can do stuff, but I don't think they think he's going to win this for us. He just might get it done. And to me, I don't, I don't know if they want to have that mindset. To me, that goes to they say, okay, Tony Clark, we'll try and do whatever with you but we do not want to get taken advantage of once again. So here's everything we think is going to be best for us. Owners, you're going to have to, you're going to have to succumb.
0: Look, if you're starting at the one yard line, which I think players would tell you they were based off what, um, what has what happened in the last CBAs. If you're mm-hmm. starting at the one yard line, the other one yard line, 99 right. yards away, 99 yards team, away. <laughs> yeah. You're in all likelihood, you're not going to get a 99 yard play. So there has, I you're think. You're going to get into wrote, field
1: goal range at that point.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ken Rosenthal alluded to the idea of they them looking at the next fifteen years and using three five-year CBAs as an opportunity to claw back in. And to me, that makes a little bit more sense because, again, you're not you don't have that ninety-nine yard play in the playbook.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, the one the other way to look at it too is I, I, the the five-five-five thing. But also, if you think about it are the owners just looking for short-term gains at the risk of future losses? Like They're literally looking right now at, hey, in the short term, we can profit off this. We can do good in this. Where the players, I think, are, hey, we want extended longevity of, we're not in control, but we're still at the, the table. We're still part of the discussions. We still feel like we're not being mistreated. And the owners are like, whatever. We just, we're worried about right now. Yeah, do you see that at all?
0: But I mean, it's only five years. That's the other thing sure. about this. If the players are hell-bent on it being a five-year deal, we're in a really weird place when it comes to sports revenue because mm-hmm. the gambling money is just starting to come in yep. and all the leagues have gone all in on sports gambling. So that's, we don't really know. To me, that feels a little bit like a house of cards. I mean, you look at the amount of money that the, that the different uh, sports gambling outfits are spending. At some point, some of these groups are going to start falling out. Like there's just not enough market space for all the groups that are in there. And they are burning, burning through money uh, right now. I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Penn, actually. I think, no, it wasn't Penn. It was DraftKings or FanDuel. I read something this past week that they did their annual investor call and then the stock just tanked because they're they're not making money. Nobody's making money right now. So mm. figuring out the sports gambling money, figuring out If the national TV revenue is going to continue to move in the upward direction that's been moving and also figuring out what the RSN money is going to be like, because we're still in a period where there's a lot of cord cutting and people who um, have have gone to some of these streaming services and that don't have deals with Sinclair. So they don't have the Valley. By the way,
1: that includes me. I, yeah. I, I've sw- I, I've switched. I went to YouTube TV and then Sinclair went away from then. The RSNs were gone. From that, so I moved to direct TV stream. Like, I, I think there are people out there. That's a, a huge point. Is that is the, the streaming thing. I don't know how much people are taking that into account.
0: Yeah. We don't, we don't know how much money as these deals come up, the RSNs have to value What the the real estate that they have and the real estate that they have is based upon how many eyeballs are on their product and when their network is not on a bunch of streaming services uh, that are carried by, you know, that are owned by people who used to have cable. Well, all of a sudden the product is not as valuable as it was before. So to me, I just, I don't know in my lifetime if there's ever been more unknowns than there are right now, because we don't know about the gambling money. We don't know about the RSN money, and we really don't know about the national TV money.
1: I, you know, how much do you as a fan want to know about that? Like I've been thinking about it as, and I think we we only care about knowing about it right now? Like when there is negotiations, you are like, well, they're probably getting money from this. Right. And I I would love to know the exact amount. I would love to know how much money the owners think they're actually losing versus how much we can all publicly see. But there's a lot of money coming in. How much do you want to know about all that stuff? Or is it just a product of right now the the CBA? Because for me, it's just a product of I knew this was happening. So three years ago is when I super started paying attention
0: to this. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think there's a lot of misinformation. I was talking to somebody this past week And they dropped the old "oh, this is millionaires versus billionaires." I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. I'm like the you know, uh, half of players are are making minimum salary, and after they're paying their agents and and Mm -hmm. paying everything else, they're probably clearing about 200 grand. That's really good money. That is really good money. I don't make 200 grand. I would love to make 200 grand. I am not uh, sneezing at 200 grand. But 200 grand is not life changing money. It's not institutional money. It's not you're you're set for the rest of your life because you've made 200 grand. So this whole millionaires versus billionaires thing is bunk. And the guy actually responded to me. He said, well, I've never made more than fifty thousand dollars a year in my life. And I said to him, well, you can't hit a hundred mile fastball, 350 feet out of a ballpark. And he's actually somebody who's like, I think he worked as a paramedic or an EMT or something. And he dropped the, well, I saved lives. So then I came back with the. uh,
1: Give me a home run.
0: Yeah, I, I came back with the. Well, clearly what you did is more important than what a baseball player does, but you've never done it with 30,000 people watching you to do it.
1: <laughs> that's a, a dumb argument to have back and forth for both. Everyone involved It's <laughs> like, yeah, well, you can't do this. <laughs> no, but I save lives. Like, well, okay, that's just moving the goalposts. I'm like, well, how do the I proverbial ivy, you know, bags,
0: but the the millionaires versus billionaires thing, that's the narrative that's out there. And it's not true.
1: It's not true. I mean, like it, to me, it's true to an extent. It's true in the, if you're looking at the broader scheme, if you're looking at, if you want to simplify it, say, hey, it's billionaires. Millionaires, but if you're actually paying attention, looking, it's like it's billionaires versus millionaires, who are also versus the hundred thousandaires, right. or also versus the billion. Like there's a whole this the spectrum here is not that simple.
0: Which one of the I had, I had a long conversation with my dad about this. My dad just cannot understand, and he's probably listening to this podcast. I don't mean this Mr. Pauly. To, I do not mean this to denigrate my father whatsoever. It was just it was an interesting conversation I had with him. My dad, I don't know if it was understanding comprehending, being able to fathom. like I I don't know the exact dictionary definition here, but my dad could not accept the idea that the big money players, the making $25 million a year and more guys are putting their money on the line to stick up for the younger players because of how poorly younger players have it. And I I told my dad that that's literally what's happening. It's gotten to a point where... The older players are no pun intended, are are literally going to bat for these younger players who have, you know, the the guys who are under club control, the guys who are not never going to get to free agency. These guys, and my dad, just having watched collective bargaining agreements and the players' union, as strong as it's been over all of his years of living, he just could not accept the fact that. That's actually happening right now.
1: Well, I, I think part of the, to defend him for a second, even though I'm on your side with this, hey, Mr. Pauly, what's up? Uh, I, to, def, to defend him for a second would be like saying, how much public, how much publicity is there when you look at the negotiation room? Like how much you and I are paying attention to every single thing because it affects us. Uh, it, how much is a fan just being like, okay, well, uh, this guy, you know, Max Scherzer is not going to bat for the 25th guy in the Brewers roster. Like, <laughs> That's just not happening. No one could, could fathom that. If you're in the meeting room, you're reading something, you're listening to interviews from these players. It's just like, Oh no, they are absolutely just looking for the betterment of, you can call it the betterment of the players and, and the union itself and the younger guys that we saw this with uh, how Aaron Rodgers was very vocal and me- he wasn't the only one, but many others with the NFL uh, stuff recently as well, where there were just thousands of guys not voting because they just didn't understand or weren't getting the information. This is why you need those guys that are getting a lot of money. The older veterans, the stars to be like, Hey, everyone needs to pay attention to this because it is important and it does affect everybody. I think that's what there's just not a lot of publicity for why it does
0: or doesn't. And Rogers got so frustrated. He he quit Correct. as the PA as the Correct. player rep. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like I, I the, the reason I bring that up is, is to think of the idea that like, Hey, if a player wants to go up to, uh, if a player that's getting paid, the, you know, the, the premier dollars wants to go up to Tony Clark and say, listen, man, here's the, I've got a bunch of other buddies, all these other guys we've talked, we, we, this is important to us for this reason. As long as that message then gets passed down to all these other younger players who maybe who are not, maybe who are definitely struggling in their own way, whatever way that is to be like, I just, we just need to get something done. I think that's when you're going to make progress within the, the PA itself by saying, Hey, as long as everyone stands united on this, this is, this is what we're going for.
0: But and let's think about this. So from a literal point of view, so let, let's take Max Scherzer and his 30 plus million dollars that he's making here. Mm-hmm. If they play half a season this year, they play 81 games and you get paid the pro rated salary, you could argue that the Max Scherzers of the world get hurt the most, most. because yeah. they are going to lose a higher amount of money. I would say that's incorrect. And I would argue that the guys who are going to get hurt the most by missing games are actually the young players who are never going to make it to free agency, yep. we are going to have a two- or three-year major league career making the major league minimum every year. Because if you play if you play half a season this year, 30% of their career earnings might just go out the door right there. Maybe all of it. Maybe you know, there's guys who appear in games for one year in their major league career. So while the total value is going to be less for those guys, the percent of their career earnings will be exponentially higher.
1: And that's why I brought up the idea of the players and it's the five-year thing. This is where it doesn't make sense as you and I talked about a couple minutes ago is if you want to extend it out and you want to help these players out where they're not getting screwed on the back and some of this stuff where they're able to go to a free agency, they're able to have more uh, complete arbitration hearings if arbitration is still around. Like that's when you look at the future and the owners are like, whatever, we, we, we want to make sure right now we're winning this. And the players are trying to, I think, look forward to, hey, because they felt like they got so manhandled last time, they want to make sure this doesn't happen for an extended period of time now. And that's, I think that's where the, your point is, is super uh, well taken is the idea that, hey, you're going to lose money this year if there is no regular like regular amount of games, and then it's going to affect you going forward if you don't also do the rest of this correctly
0: the uh, the super 2 stuff i find to be really interesting and people who kind of the the idiots guide to super 2 is you're arbitration eligible a year early if you are in the top 22% of service time among those players who still would have one year of arbitra- one year until arbitration
1: it's honestly to me it's so stupid just the the way it, the way it's done is so dumb to me
0: <laughs> so that's what a super 2 is uh Players want that number, so so the players finally accepted the fact that okay, players are not guaranteed to get to arbitration until that the, the third year or whatever. But they said, but 85 percent, I think that's the number they came with. But 85 instead of 22 percent, they right. want 85 percent. And to me, like that's one area where I like, what, what just make it 100 percent, then like, what, I right. what's 85? You, you might as well, yeah. because if you go to 100, maybe they're going to come to 85. Like, if you're going to do that, like. Are you, are you really giving anything up when you go from that's the other thing that bonus pool money allocation where the the owner started at five million and then went to ten million and the owners went from one fifteen down to one ten I yeah okay five million dollars is five million dollars I'm not trying to scoff at it sure. but in reality that's not negotiation they're really not changing the the positions that they're at
1: yeah i as we're talking through all this stuff, and I'm listening to the Super 2 thing, and you did a super good job of explaining Super 2, I, th- I think fans hate this yeah. so much. Yeah. And, and not, not talking about fans of the, of the, of the podcast, it's fans of baseball, like, they're not even, they just don't understand what, what people are arguing about. Like I barely understand what, what, what the conversations are about because of the idea that, look, you just pointed out. Players say, we'll go to 85%. Why not just go to 100? What's it going to hurt? You're already in an argument. Like You're not going to lose your argument worse if if you lose it.
0: So in the NBA, people understand uh, when a player is draft eligible because a player is draft eligible based off what their age is, or I guess technically when their high school graduation would have been. I think that's the way the NBA terms it out. But it's it's based upon age because your high school graduation is based upon how old you are. people understand that people understand that you have to be one year clear of high school graduation to be eligible to go to the NBA. Now we can argue whether or not that's a good rule or a bad rule. It's not worth arguing, but it's really simple. It's super, super simple. And I've always, uh, you know, I feel bad for the major league baseball players out there who are like five-year college guys who Mm -hmm. go play college baseball, do it the right way. They get their college degree, they make the decision to stay, and they're they're walking out of college, and what they're 24, 25 years old, and then all of a sudden they, they do go into the into professional baseball, they do get drafted, and you've got the seven year free agency when it comes to the minor leagues, and then you can get to that, and then finally, you know, if you take through, if you go six years in the minor leagues, you have no control over yourself. Then you finally get to the big leagues, and you get three more years. In the big leagues, before you become arbitration eligible, if that whole process is starting at age 24, then you're 33, 34 at the end of that. If, If
1: you even get to that
0: point, if you get to that point, and you never really have the opportunity to have that big payday, I personally would love, and it wouldn't be, it would make, it would make drafting guys out of high school become a more valuable thing for teams because they would get longer club control. But I would love to see a reform that is based upon you are able to get to minor league free agency and you're able to get to some sort of major league arbitration based upon age and not based upon time spent in an organization and in professional baseball.
1: 100% I agree with that. I, I think the age one would work a lot better. But you know, it's interesting, you mentioned the high school drafting. I think teams value that now, maybe more than ever already, because of the idea of over college players, because the idea of they have more control over it, like, hey, I'm gonna draft this 18-year-old kid out of high school and I'm gonna have the most control and say over everything he can do instead of all right, I'm gonna have this kid who's now played in in what would be deemed a quote unquote similar to minor league baseball-esque style, college baseball, and just in the sense that you're getting you're playing against better-ish competition, you're getting older and, and all that. Who you may so you may not be spending more time in the minor leagues than if you're going to college, you're gonna come in and then you're gonna be making bigger amounts of money than these 18-year-old kids that they're drafting. Who hey? If you can cash in on a nineteen-year-old that's coming up to play, it's like hey, he's, he's making two hundred fifty grand, the six hundred grand, whatever it is. Like he's not making a lot of money. I think they the teams are trying that more and more. They're more willing to draft these high school guys.
0: Yeah, and you got a decision to make then because if you're not a if you're not a top five round pick, you're not going to get that good bonus money. Right. And then you make the decision about whether or not going to go to college. You know that's why of all the sports, junior college baseball has the highest amount of talent. I think. Because Agreed. if you go JUCO, you're draft eligible after two years, or if you go to a four-year school, you're draft eligible after three years. So you're costing mm-hmm. yourself a year of being, which, wh- how stupid is that?
1: I mean, it doesn't I mean, make sense either. Does like, that just make- add it to the, to the list of yeah. rules, right? you're explaining, you're like, that doesn't make
0: any sense either. I mean, well, why can't you be draft eligible out of a four-year school after two years? You can be draft eligible after three years. Why not four Like. What Honestly,
1: this goes to me, this goes to, if you're in college, you should be, the minute you step out of high school, you should be draft eligible. The minute you, you're one year of college. And then this is for me, for any sport, if you go to college for one year, you're draft eligible and you want to make the decision, the league, the NFL is the biggest example of it. If the NFL wants to say, we don't think you're going to be physically or ready for it. Fine. Then you can, as a league, you make a into to not draft that player. That's on you. But the players to me, if they're going to go to college for one year, have at it. You're going to go to college. You want to be a pro that's on you. Look, I don't care if it's out of high school. I'm, I'm with you on that, but I'm using the example of if you're going to go to college, though, then why the one, two, like hockey does this thing where you can do it after one year or after high school or, or then after three years, some one sport is one or three. It, it's too confusing to me.
0: So I remember talking to somebody. Um, I'll just make this very vague. I was working in an organization when I was broadcasting minor league baseball, and so I got told about a guy who got drafted. and. This guy, if he's not still in the big leagues, he was there very recently. I would have to look it up. But this is a guy who's had a a nice, long major league career that most people would be familiar with. I remember when he got drafted and I was talking to somebody from the organization that drafted him. And they told me that they went down and met him. And I I don't remember if he came from a tough family background or not. I, I don't remember that. But I remember being told that this guy was. He just, he had no, like all of a sudden you're drafting him out of high school and he's got to go live on his own and function on his own and pay bills and feed himself and all that. And I just remember talking to this guy from the organization who said, this guy was, it, he just wasn't equipped for it yet. That was just at 18 years old and the background that he had, um, and just kind of the makeup of who he was as a person, like that was that was something that the organization kind of had to work through and fight through and had to create a total support system for so that's that in many ways there are reasons not to go pro right after high school because you still need to kind of socially adjust to what it's going to what it's going to mm-hmm. look like but for guys who are ready go have at it
1: Right. And that's why I said, like, then it becomes a personal decision and also a team decision and lead decision of, hey, if you think you're ready, by all means, give it a shot. Then it's going to be up to the teams to make those decisions for you. And Hopefully, they're helping you along the way, which I know some teams and, and leagues are trying to do a lot better job of having the programs for when you come in and hey, this is how you open up a bank account for for the young guys. And The NBA does this. The NFL has, has uh, symposiums that they do every year for for young young players. As long as they're doing that stuff, then you're you're covering. You know, your CYA. you're CYA. You're helping yourself out if you're the league, if you're the team, and if you're the player, you just have to hope that you're making the right calls then. But again, that goes to if you think you're ready. The only person, the only thing that's going to stop you is somebody not getting you there, yeah. not, not drafting.
0: Right. And if, if you have the talent, organizations will create the support system Correct. that you need. You know, the international players that are brought in from other countries who can't like speak 16. English, you know, right. they're given translators. You know, like right. there's, there's money that it goes back to money. There's money to be had. That's, that's never a money issue. The money is always there. I agree. So all right. I don't know. Like this, I is, feel worse. Yeah.
1: Honestly. Not, not, not because of I, like, I that's what I was telling at the beginning was I come into each week and uh, age day at this point as a baseball fan, be like, okay, is, is there any hope here? And I'll exchange texts with you sometimes, or uh, our teammate on, on at GKB gave nights all about baseball. Just like, are we going to get anything today? Or are we just going to end the day? The next tweet we see, we're going to be frustrated about it. And more often than not, it's, it's frustrating. We'll make sarcastic comments about, Hey, they're meeting today. Great. I said the meeting's gonna last between 17 and 20 minutes. It lasts 15 minutes. 15, like, yeah. It's like, what are you supposed to do? To me, I I see that. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be angry because it only lasts 15 minutes, or I'm like, well, maybe they iron stuff out on this was do you agree? No. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Like I, I don't know what's going on in these meetings. I don't know if they're going back and forth. I don't I don't know if they're just yelling at each other. I I don't know what these meetings look like.
0: I'm not so I'm not in these in these proposal exchanges, I'm not worried about the 15 minute. Like, I feel like that's a, that's a clickbait headline more sure. than anything else. I'm okay We talk that. about the 15 minute because all you're doing is presenting something and then it needs to be digested on, on the other side. Like that's not a negotiating session. That's a, that's an offer presenting session. You honestly, you don't even need to meet. You can email the PDF over and you can be okay. Uh, there, there doesn't have to be negotiations. So I'm not worried about the 15 minute negotiating session. I do
1: love it though. I love getting yeah. angry about it,
0: <laughs> but they can. So f- actually negotiate, actually get in there without a proposal and talk through things and right. then go do the proposal. That that's clearly one part of this. Um, the other thing I would say is so common sense, common sense would say if you're negotiating something, then negotiate right, and get in the same room with these two sides as much as they do not get along it so feels like every time they are in the same room together for an extended amount of time you go backwards instead of yep. going forwards so in many ways 15 minutes might actually be good like that's that's the that's the test this week it's like cordial yeah like how how do these people coexist in the same room together and actually move forward Because if we go back to the negotiation sessions before the pandemic shortened 60 game season, Mm -hmm. that's the last time there was any major negotiations. Every single time the two sides got together, it got worse. And it eventually turned into a Rob Manfred mandated 60 game season that then resulted in a grievance being filed by the players. And then another grievance being filed back from the owners to the players, things that are still hanging out there have not yet been resolved. And some thought that maybe that would get resolved inside of this CBA, probably not. So the last time this happened, it got worse the longer they spoke with each other. This week, can it not get worse?
1: Of course it could. Oh my, Matt, we could, tomorrow's Monday. Or if you listen to this, maybe it's Monday when you're listening to it could be happening literally right now, where they're just having one meeting, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know what? I don't trust this person at all. I'm not even going to talk to them again. Like you've had those arguments with people or conversations, even with with friends, you've had arguments with those people where you're like, uh-uh, not on this. I'm not talking to you for a week. I need I need to step away. Like I think I think there's a possibility that happened where both sides are just like, mm, no, I'm good. I don't even want to deal with this right now. Yeah, even I mean there is you a, have to.
0: There is a fifty-fifty shot that we find out on Monday afternoon. That the negotiations went so poorly that the rest of the week's worth of negotiations have been put on hold. And we'll just see where it goes from there.
1: There's a hundred percent chance that I believe that's what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I, I actually don't. I think I think the be... sides are smart enough to realize from an optic standpoint how bad that is. So I think we'll get to at least Tuesday. I think we'll get at least a second day. Okay. <laughs> that's that's as far as I'm willing to go.
1: I am not willing to give either side the benefit of doubt about the optics mattering to them just based on history. That's that's where I'm at, I'm just I, I want to like honestly. If you, let's I I'll, I'll ask you so you can ask me back. If if I said okay, Matt, on Friday, are you going to feel good about there being a season this year, starting on time? No. Okay. Because I I have said all along that I think the season's in jeopardy and I the starts in jeopardy. And yet, oh, yeah. and yet I still want to put out into existence. I want to speak into existence that they're going to get something done because I want them to just deal with it. I don't either. I, I'd put it at a 10% chance that this gets resolved by Friday. I, I'm just so pessimistic about this whole thing.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's, it's not about getting resolved this week. It's about getting. It's about finding the pathway uh, right. to resolve it. That's Honestly, the, this there's is
1: never going to be resolved. You just have to have an agreement. That's not, re- agreement is not resolution in my mind
0: but they they have to have breakthroughs. They have to have breakthroughs. That's what they need because once you have a few breakthroughs, then all of a sudden you can maybe see the path mm-hmm. at which you can go down and there has yet to be a single breakthrough.
1: What's the, what's the biggest thing is is the, the tax stuff is that still going to end up being the biggest barrier here? Because I, I that's what I feel like I keep reading it's the taxing taxing the taxing that the, tax thing, the, the C, was it CRT?
0: Yeah, I I think if the luxury tax if the owners just bid, just bid on it and said, we're going to raise the luxury tax to the number the players want, and we are going to increase it on a year by year basis to keep up with inflation. And we are not going to raise the tax percentage that's being paid over what it is right now. I think if those three things that I just said happened Mm -hmm. along with the tax, everything else would just fall into place.
1: And again, right. And again, it's not like the owners are losing out. If they do that, they're just not getting more.
0: Yeah, they are getting more, though, because revenue is getting more. Right. Yeah, (laughs)
1: that's true. They're just not getting more and more. Right. Oh, man. Baseball. Why do they do this to us, man? All we do is we love and we love and we love. They don't love us back.
0: No, they don't love us back. That's the game. All right, Ashton, give a plug for everything you got going on, uh, including the morning show over at 945 ESPN.
1: Jen, Gabe and Chewy, 945 ESPN, 7 to 9 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday. I'm not going to lie to everybody. We're talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers right now, but the more this baseball stuff comes up, I promise I and Gabe so we will be shoehorning baseball conversation. And because we get so frustrated every day, so there will be baseball talk. Hopefully we can have a celebration this week and we'll be all shocked when they agree to something, even though we know that's not going to happen. Uh, and so we're talking about a bunch of other stuff. We also talk about food a lot, which Matt, you and I do as well, usually off the air. Yeah. Um, so all the food conversation you could possibly want, go ahead and do that. Um, follow me on Twitter if you want. I don't tweet as much these days. Um, but you know, go ahead follow me. I might say something funny every once in a while.
0: I was in Detroit recently because I broadcast, uh, university of Wisconsin, green Bay basketball pizza, pizza, Detroit style pizza. Yeah. Oh man. I think it was called buddies. Hold on. Hold Detroit on. Detroit
1: style pizza. You know, there's no good Detroit style pizza joints around here. In fact, no, there's, zero.
0: there's, there's not. So and I, I don't, love little Caesars, but mm-mm. it's okay. So it's funny you say that. So let me say, yeah. So. I think Buddy's Pizza is that Detroit Buddy's Pizza. We're looking. This makes for great podcast content. Yeah. Okay. So Buddy's Pizza in Detroit. Um, I don't think I'd ever actually had true Detroit style pizza in okay. my life, other than Little Caesar. So like sure. the the manager was doing the old walk around, how is everything tasting sort of thing, and this pizza, Ashton, was incredible. Oh boy. So. The guy comes over and I'm like, this pizza's great. So good. And he's like, have you ever been here before? I'm like, no, I don't live here. And he asked where we were and everything's like, well, have you ever had Detroit style pizza? And I thought about it and I, I go to Detroit a lot, but I don't think I've ever gone to a, a pizza place in Detroit, to right. be honest with you. I said, well, I'm like, does Little Caesars count? <laughs> he probably got offended. Yeah, he goes out. Uh, I think his exact words were. We don't think so. (laughs) Nothing to get like, I like Little Caesars. No (laughs) issues with Little Caesars. Love it. Um, But, man, so next time you are in Detroit, Ashton, Buddy's Pizza. It is a chain, so there are many throughout Detroit. Love it. Uh, It's been around for like 85 years or something, and it is amazing.
1: Oh, good! I love it. Pizza is my favorite food, so I will absolutely put that on my list of pizza places. Somebody like, there's not really Milwaukee
0: style pizza. Somebody needs to. No, have...
1: You know, it's interesting. It's funny you say that because I think one of the great things about the Milwaukee like pizza scene, if you can call it that, is there's just there's all sorts of types. You can find whatever pizza you want. For the most part, you can find it in Milwaukee. Uh, it, whether it's good or bad, is going to be based on your tastes, right? But I think that's one of the cool things is you can find all sorts of different types. There, but they're like what. I don't even know what a Milwaukee style would be.
0: Well, it would be cool if somebody could innovate pizza in Milwaukee and like get really actually. popular and call it like Milwaukee style pizza. Because I sounds mean,
1: like a job for me, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you My have I mean, you know what Chicago pizza is, you know what Detroit pizza is, you know, St. Louis pizza is like the Emos pizza, which I know a lot of people uh, <laughs> don't like because they think it's like a cracker. Um, I like Emos St. Louis style pizza. Sure. I think it's very good. Um, but I also like almost all pizza. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I think somebody out there needs to innovate, Milwaukee style pizza. All right, I'm
1: on it. I'm gonna think. I, I think I think Milwaukee style pizza. That's that's where we. Uh, that's our next big adventure.
0: Yeah. In the world. Okay. My only while adventure the, in the world. While the lockout continues, Ugh. we can get Milwaukee style pizza underway.
1: <laughs> yeah, what'll happen first? We come up with the pizza or the baseball? Let's push. <laughs> the same day yeah
0: all right ashton thank you all right thanks buddy that's ashton rotman joining us here on brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile and that's just about going to do it for the podcast this week a reminder for you on thursday nights when there is not a bucks game and there will not be this upcoming week because they won't be back from the all-star break don't forget about brewers weekly eight o'clock to nine o'clock on wtmj I am the normal host of that show. I have not been on it very often because of my basketball play-by-play responsibilities. Greg Matzik has been handling it uh, most weeks recently, and I believe he will be back on uh, this upcoming Thursday. Yes, because I will be in beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana, broadcasting the basketball game coming up uh, on on Thursday night. But just because I'm not there doesn't mean we're not doing the show. still comes your way on Thursday nights from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. All right, that is it for uh, this week's podcast. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Molden. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the
1: latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.